God made a way for you. He hasn't saved you. You just stand there. He hasn't redeemed you. Come on. I believe that you know how good he's been to you. Somebody give him praise right now. Amen. Give our team a God bless you. That was awesome. Man, I'm excited about this week. Anybody love Jesus today? I'm excited to celebrate Holy Week with you today. It's Palm Sunday, and this is the day that we celebrate when Jesus rode triumphantly right into to Jerusalem, over the Mount of Olives, right down through the Eastern Gate amidst shouts of Hosanna that within just four or five days would turn to jeers of crucify him. And many would think that this Sunday represents the beginning of the end for Jesus. But for those of us who know the power of redemption, we know that that was not the beginning of the end. That was the beginning of the beginning. Hallelujah. That was the beginning of the beginning. So I feel like preaching today. Anybody ready to receive a word from heaven? Everything about Holy Week tells me this. God is good. Hallelujah. So I'm going to read several passages. If you can't find them in your Bible, you can hang on. They'll be on the screen. You live streamers, so glad you're with me. John 18, 12 says, Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. Matthew 26, 57. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Jesus followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. And then Matthew 27, when the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. And then finally, Luke 23, now when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him with many words, but Jesus answered him nothing and the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Then Herod with his men of war treated him with contempt and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. That very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other for previously they had been at enmity with one another. This Holy Week is the week when Jesus brought heaven to earth. Jesus made a way for your redemption and mine. Anybody thankful for that this morning? I'm going to preach for just a few minutes along these lines. When worlds collide, if you're ready to get in this anointing, I'm about to teach you and just slip up your hands. We're going to learn today. It's going to be powerful. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for fresh bread that you've given me. Lord, I've been cooking all week long, and I know you've got something for your people to feast on. Thank you for this amazing this amazing Palm Sunday crowd and service. Bless us and we'll thank you. Somebody give the Lord a great big praise. Come on, give him a shout if you love him. You can be seated. This Holy Week is the week then that I believe that Jesus brought heaven to earth and I wanna talk to you just for a few minutes along these lines when, when worlds collide. And I'm taking a little bit different angle and approach today to this Palm Sunday message. For as long as I can remember, as long as I've been preaching and tell your neighbor, that's a long time. That's a long time. Every Palm Sunday, I have addressed Palm Sunday. Good Friday, I talk about Good Friday. And of course, Resurrection Sunday, I talk about the, the raising from the dead of Jesus Christ. But today, I wanna go a little bit different direction. 
because there is so much that happened during Holy Week and hear me all of it was significant and I want to kind of highlight some of the events from Holy Week but then I want to go at the very end and bring us back to Palm Sunday but if you're gonna really talk about Holy Week it would be wise to go even beyond just the Sunday and reach all the way back into Thursday and Friday of the week before Jesus would have been in Jericho I was just there a few weeks ago he would have been passing by this city journeying to Jerusalem on the way to his assignment on the cross and hear me in this room it was there just seven days before Jesus was set to be crucified that he opened the eyes of three blind men and he had dinner with a tax collector named Zacchaeus you remember the story this man climbed a sycamore tree just to see the Lord he's days away from the most horrific death imaginable Isaiah said never was a man marred like this man Jesus is going to go through literal hell on earth yet he's still being Jesus seven days before he's healing blind men seven days before he's eaten with a tax collector he comes into Jerusalem he cleanses the temple and after he cleanses the temple he heals the sick he preaches on the Mount of Olives he he fellowship with those he loved he, he's blessing people and healing people he never let his trouble stop him from being who he was he was Jesus right to the end he was Jesus till the end, upsetting religious folk, preaching the word, eating with sinners, bringing hope and healing to everybody he encountered. Jesus was still Jesus in his most intense days. And you know what? He's still Jesus in your most intense days and in my most intense days. Hear me in the room. Trouble doesn't stop Jesus from being Jesus. Trouble didn't change who he was. Trouble didn't stop him from being who he was can I say this at times you need to understand that it isn't trouble that changes Jesus it is trouble that reveals him because the truth is sometimes your own friends change when you get in trouble some people that you've been with forever been ride or die when you get in enough trouble they'll act like they don't know you come on somebody but not Jesus Jesus stayed who he was in his struggle and he remains so in yours hallelujah be seeing how the Lord behaved during this holy week as he was journeying to his impending crucifixion makes me love him even more if you study the week you'll find out that many abandoned him many forsook him many walked away from him they even betrayed him the people that he had blessed the most and loved the most they walked away betrayed abandoned and then they forsook the Lord but I'm reminded of a woman in that very week who was at Simon the leper's house the Bible said as he sat at meat they were having dinner and this is an incredible story from Luke chapter 7 remember this woman her name is Mary Magdalene and Jesus is there at Simon the leper's house but understand he was not only Simon the leper he had been a Pharisee and was a Pharisee now Simon it seems had been supernaturally healed by Jesus he had been healed from the worst disease up until that time Israel had ever known he had been living on the town garbage dump with the other lepers when Jesus found him and touched him and his leper prior to his encounter with Jesus had robbed him of everything he had lost his title he had lost his access to the temple he had lost his family he had lost his friends he had lost life as he knew it because when you had leprosy you had to separate yourself from the people and lepers lived out on the town garbage dump on the outskirts of the city and this is where this man found himself unclean 
unclean, cast out, disconnected, but Jesus found him and touched him and healed him. Hear me in this room. It didn't matter if you were a beggar or a king. Even King Uzziah, the Bible said, was cut off because he had leprosy. He was not allowed to come into the house of the Lord. And this is Simon's condition before he encountered Jesus. And I can see now Simon inviting Jesus to his house. Come on, Jesus, and fellowship with me. I'm going to have a homecoming. And this would have been about the middle of the week during Holy Week. And Simon invites him to his house, to this homecoming celebration. And Simon, the leprosy, the leper who had been saved out of leprosy by the touch of Jesus, became Simon the Pharisee when a sinner woman came into his house. This sinner woman who was a known prostitute, this sinner woman who had issues and trouble, this unclean woman came into this Pharisee's house and he went from Simon the grateful leper who had been cleansed to again Simon the Pharisee. Could you imagine after all that Jesus had done for him, he began to despise the woman because she broke the flask of ointment of worship over the head of Jesus and she washed his feet with her tears and she dried them with her hair. He began to despise the woman and question the Lord. The Bible said, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this in Luke 7, he spoke to himself saying, this man, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Simon began to question Jesus after Jesus had been so good to him. Simon began to question him. See, Simon enjoyed the benefits of a relationship with Jesus, but he had forgotten where he came from. He had forgotten how good God had been to him. He had forgotten the faithfulness of the Lord. You see, you see here today, you can enjoy the benefits of a relationship with Jesus. You can still enjoy the worship and enjoy the praise and enjoy the preaching and enjoy the atmosphere and enjoy seeing your friends and sit right in church and forget about where you came from. Oh, I feel like preaching. You can sit right in church and forget how far God has brought you and how good God has been to you. You see, we're on dangerous ground when we forget where we came from. We're on dangerous ground when we become critical of others and their journey to wholeness. We're on dangerous ground when we look around and we forget how good God has been to us and we become critical of who God chooses and how the Lord moves and how he uses people that we think he ought not use until we remember our own story he sat there criticizing that woman who does she think she is a hoochie a harlot you only saying nothing a prostitute walking right up into my house who does she think she is but the truth is she was unclean when Jesus touched her and he was unclean as well I stopped by to tell somebody don't forget where you came from Oh, y'all ain't saying a whole lot this morning, but I'm going to keep on preaching. I said, don't forget where you came from. This woman was a sinner. The Bible says she was a sinner. And the word sinner is the Greek word hermatelos. It literally means the idea of being branded. She, she was branded like cattle. She was branded except she was branded a sinner. It was burned in the very core of her being. She's a no good. She's a prostitute. She's unworthy. She's unclean. Nobody wanted to even come into contact with her. But don't miss this, honey. Don't miss this today. She was a sinner. Simon was a leper. But both would die without a touch from Jesus. They both were unclean. They both were cut off. They were both were separated. They both had issues. Both needed an intervention. So we can't sit here today and judge somebody else because their trouble is different than our trouble. 
I wish I could find somebody to preach to. We, we can't sit there and look down our noses at somebody who come in and their trouble ain't like our trouble. The truth is we're all cut off. We were all separated. We were all alienated. But didn't he reach down and touch us? I dare you to give him praise if you remember your own story. Huh. See, when I remember my own story, I realize, man, I can't sit around and judge anybody else. So see, we all have problems, and every one of us need a touch from Jesus. Don't get called up in comparing your issues with somebody else's. We all die without a touch from the Lord. Come on, let me hear you. Are you thankful that the Lord touched you? Simon judged this woman when only Jesus had the right to judge her. But not only did he judge the woman, check it out, he judged Jesus. Simon kept his eyes on Jesus judging him. The woman kept her eyes on Jesus loving him. Oh, come on, I feel like preaching. She wept while they whispered. <laughs> she thinks she is. That no good harlot coming up in here, that hoochie. Who does she think she is? At some point, she had to say, excuse me. Excuse me, Peter. Pardon me, Philip. Let me step over you, Andrew. I didn't come to see you, Simon. I came to see the head honcho. Come on. I didn't... Mm. Oh, I feel like I feel like somebody's hearing me now. Hey, excuse me, I didn't come to see you. I don't care what you're wearing. I didn't come to see your new dress. I didn't come to see your weave. I don't care about your new wig. I didn't come to see you. You think this worship is for you? You think this clap is for you? You think this shout is for you? You think this dance is for you? You didn't do for me what he did for me. You didn't make a way for this thing. Oh, come on, come on. I dare somebody praise him right now. I, I came to see Jesus. I came to get to the head honcho, the way maker. Push your neighbor and say, I came to see Jesus. I, I came to see Jesus. See, there was no denying who she was. Everybody knew who she was. Everybody. Everybody knew who she was. Everybody understood her problem. She knew who she was. She knew what she had done. See, here's the truth. Nobody knows your story better than you do. She knew she was in the house of a Pharisee. She knew she was offensive. Everything about this story is offensive. A sinner woman in a Pharisee's house. That was unheard of in the time of Christ. Not only is she in the house, she's interrupting a meal. Then she's breaking a flask of perfume over the head and feet of a man. Then she's touching a man, the Messiah's feet, with her hair cradling there in her hands, his feet, while she weeps and cries and worships. Everything about this story is sideways. Everything about this story doesn't make sense. It's scandalous. Come on, somebody. It shouldn't have happened. And it even becomes more so when you realize the cost of the spick perfume that she broke over the head of Jesus she literally broke this over his head it represented one year's wages it could have been 20 30 40 50 60 70 80 90 a hundred thousand dollars of today's money but she takes this spicknard this very precious spicknard this is scandalous what do you do when worship gets scandalous? Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. What do you do when you see somebody worship this week who was in a mess last week? What do you see? Hey, hey, don't, don't make me come down here. What do you do when you see somebody clapping that was on crack last month? What are you just scandalous? They ought not be doing that. Don't they remember where they came from? But when you look at where God has brought you from, this woman had been delivered from seven devils. Do you think she was going to miss a chance to magnify the Lord in that moment? Everything about the story is sideways. Everything about the story is scandalous. This woman, the Bible says that they, they criticized her because there was a waste of this ointment, they said. This ointment was imported from India and, India and China. It grew in the Himalayas. It was very labor intensive. It was priceless. And this is what this woman had. This is, this, this is always used sparingly, but that day, 
She didn't spare anything. That day she broke it. Sometimes when you get overcome with how good God has been to you, you can't give him cute worship. You can't give him a little bit of praise. You can't just sit there and act religious and try to be deep while you realize, God, I wouldn't even be where I am today. Had you not reached down in my mess and raised me up, are there any scandalous worshipers in the house? Are there any worshipers that will worship him and say, yeah, I got a past, but let me tell you what God did for me. My, 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 my. Strong, pungent, changed the atmosphere of the room. The smell was wonderful. It overwhelmed the house. That's what real worship does. It overwhelms the house. See, see, she broke spignard. Somebody say spignard. Spignard is a very powerful Hebrew word. It is the word nard, which means light. And this woman is coming in with her nard, her light. See, everybody else is sitting around trying to be deep. Everybody else is sitting around there trying to be religious. Come on now. Nobody's washing Jesus' feet. Nobody's ministering to him. But the woman comes in with her light. See, see, there was a time when they used to fight over who would wash the feet of Jesus. There was a time when they used to fight over who, who would minister to him, but not anymore. They got used to Jesus. Years before, man, when he would heal somebody, I got a bit next to him. I got to wash his feet. But now, now he healed the sick and he raised out just another day with Jesus. Be careful that you don't get used to him. Oh, gee. I said, be careful that you don't get used to him. Don't never lose the wonder. Never lose the gratefulness. This woman comes and she breaks it over his head. And nard means light. And this woman's radical expression of worship was putting the nard, putting the light on Jesus. See, when Jesus is in the room, the light has got to be on him. It's got to be about Jesus. It can't be about the preacher. It can't be about the worship leader. It can't be about the building it can't be about the camera it can't be all ain't saying nothing it can't be about our preconceived notions and our and our preconceived ideas of how church has got to be baby when Jesus is in the room put the light on Jesus he said if I be lifted up I will draw all men to me I'm looking for some preachers that will put the light back on Jesus. I'm looking for some bishops that will put the light back on Jesus. God give us some TV pastors who will put the light back on Jesus. God give us some ministers who will say, you know what, I have a platform, but my platform is for one reason, that I will put the light on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody give God praise if you believe it's time to get the light back on Jesus. Every time you worship the Lord, you're putting the light back on Jesus. Right here, then and there, there is a collision between two worlds, religion and worship. One hateful bondage creating judgmental religious spirit and then one worshiper. And there's so much about Holy Week that amazes me. I was transfixed as I studied about it this week, even more so. And I read about the trials that Jesus endured. Precious, he literally stood in court six times. First before Annas, then before Caiaphas, then before the 71 of the greater Sanhedrin, then Pilate, then Herod, then Pilate again. And one side note, the religious trials were Annas and Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. And in each one of these, Jesus was tried and found guilty. And he was sentenced to death. But in the secular trials by Herod and Pilate, and then Pilate again, Jesus was found innocent. And the Lord showed me something very powerful. See, the world didn't crucify Jesus. 
Religion did. Where are y'all at? I said the world didn't put him on the cross. Religion did. Look at the process that Jesus endured. Still today, divisive, judgmental religion is that that assaults the manifested mercy of God. That tells people you're not good enough. You don't measure up. You got too many issues. You got too many struggles. You got too many problems. But Jesus manifested 2,000 years ago to strangle every struggle that a sinner person has. Listen, hear me in this room the Lord spoke this sovereignly into my spirit still today it is hateful divisive judgmental religion that assaults the manifested grace of God see here's what the Lord said to me he said son you tell the people the world can never harm the work and church of God her greatest wounds are self-inflicted. We don't have power if we don't have power over the world. We don't have power if we don't have power over demons and devils. Let me tell you, the world and demons and devils can never harm us. Our greatest wounds are self-inflicted. But I have made up in my mind, I will not be bound by a spirit of religion, but I will say thank you, God, for saving me. And if you save me, you can save anybody look at the process of the trials that Jesus endured because with each trial we see a collision of worlds we see a collision of two worlds to start off with these religious trials of Jesus amounted into not much more than kangaroo court they were a joke because understand this if you study several passages in the Gospels, you'll find out that Annas and Caiaphas were both named a high priest during this season. And Jewish law states that there can only be one high priest. But yet these men were so thirsty for power and they were kinfolk. See, Annas was Caiaphas' father-in-law, so they were keeping it in the family. And these men were thirsty for power, and they ignored their own loss because according to Jewish law, there can only be one high priest, but in that moment, there are two. And I want to say something to you today. We are on dangerous ground when we follow leaders who ask us to live a standard they ain't even living themselves. Oh, it's quiet in here now. We've got preachers telling us how to live and they living like hell themselves. They're telling you don't sleep around and they, you know, you know, don't make me come down there. They acting crazy themselves. They cussing, going to the club. They're praying on women in the church. And you know, I'm, I'm gonna come down there and amen myself. But here's the truth. We're on dangerous ground when we follow leaders who ask us to live a standard that they aren't living themselves. I'm not saying that we as leaders have to be perfect, but I'm gonna tell you, baby, if you're talking, you need to walk it if you declare it you need to live it if you if you talk about it you need to be walking about it how many of you are ready for leaders that will rise up and not just tell me how to live but show me how to live so here Jesus is he's taken away from the Mount of Olives and he's taken to the house of Annas that's the first and only time that he stood before this man Annas at his home and this is very imperative that you understand this because he stands before Annas in this kangaroo court and when you define the name Annas, Annas name means one who answers and I'm talking to you about a collision of worlds because understand here Annas has the name that means the one who answers, the one who always has a reply. This corrupt, illegitimate religious leader considered himself the final word and authority. He always had an answer. He was always ready to speak his mind. Do you know anybody who's always ready to talk? You say they're on my road, Pastor, but I don't want to point at them. Come on. Here he is. He always had an answer. But, but here he is in this moment, ready to speak his word and give his opinion. But he did not realize 
because he was so concerned with his own answer and his own word that before him stood not a word but the word made flesh and dwelling among us see Annas was a man with an answer but he missed the fact that Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer who stood before him see here's the truth I've come to tell you we are living in a world full of answers any educator that writes a question on a test and it is multiple choice there are several answers four or five answers but you are not looking for an answer you only pass the test when you choose the right answer hear me in this house you're not looking for an answer you're looking for the right answer hear me now Allah is an answer Buddha is an answer and so many more are answers but only Jesus Christ is the answer oh listen I know it's politically incorrect I know it's socially unacceptable I know you don't hear too much about the exclusivity of Jesus Christ but there is one door to heaven one door to healing one door to redemption one door to God one door to the Father his name is Jesus Christ he is not an answer he is the answer he He's the only hope. He's the way out of no way. He's joy in the morning, healing when you're sick, bread when you're hungry. He's redemption, restoration, and salvation. He's Isaiah's Prince of Peace. He's Isaac's Ram. He's Job's Redeemer. He's Abraham's seed. He's the seed of the woman. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. There ain't nothing he can't do. He is the answer. If you believe it, give him praise. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, aren't you glad in a world full of answers, you know the answer. Give God praise if you're glad. So, so you have Annas, the man with an answer. And the collision is the fact that the very answer to every malady every issue, every bondage stood before him and he could not even recognize him. This man, Annas, who should have known Jesus because he had lived his life looking for the Messiah. He could quote the entirety of the first five books of the Bible and really probably the whole Old Testament. He could quote it, but yet he could not recognize the Lord to be the answer. And then Jesus stood next before Caiaphas and a son-in-law. And the journey continues as Jesus stand there and it begins to deteriorate because here Jesus is mocked. He's slapped, he's beaten, and he's humiliated. And they took turns hitting Jesus and spitting on him. Can you imagine? And he's standing before Caiaphas and the name Caiaphas means beautiful, but it has also been interpreted depression. Hmm. And as I thought about this, the Lord showed me a couple things. First, Caiaphas was so convinced of his own beauty, his beautiful place, his beautiful position, that he could not even see the one who stood before him was in all actuality the one that Solomon called the fairest of 10,000. Who would bring the beauty of redemption, the beauty of hope, restoration, deliverance, who is the Son of God, the Lamb of God, and the hope of glory. He stood right before Caiaphas, and this, this educated, well-to-do, religious man missed who Jesus was. But his name also means depression. Now, now I'm a young man who grew up in a house where critical members of my family dealt with depression. And I understand that depression is very real. But hear me in this place. Nothing will blind you to the beautiful things in your life like depression. Because if you're depressed, you cannot see the good things. When you're depressed, you can't see the blessings of family. 
When you're depressed, you can't see the gift of your children. Come on, somebody. When you're depressed, you can't see the joy of salvation. When you're depressed, you're blind. And here a man is. He was blind. He couldn't see who Jesus was. I see this great collision of world, worlds because before this depressed, bound man stood God's pride and heaven's joy and a sinner's Savior. But who would admit today that you want to walk in the joy of the Lord? Is there anybody that wants to walk in the joy of the Lord? Can I make a statement of faith over you? This is your time to see Jesus and to be overcome with joy. This is not your season to be depressed. This is not your season to be worried about what you don't have and who's got more than you. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. This is your season to find joy. I dare somebody who's claiming joy, give God some praise right now. Come on, you can do better than that. I said give God praise right now. Push your neighbor and say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Tell them, I know I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed. And tell your other neighbor, say, I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it. How many of you are going to walk in joy in the name of Jesus? So Jesus stands before the one with an answer, and then he stands before beautiful, the depression. What a dichotomy there. But then Jesus was tried before the Sanhedrin. He stands before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin, there are 71 members in the greater Sanhedrin, 23 in the lesser. And Jesus is standing there with the Sanhedrin. He is standing, and they are sitting. If you study uh, the, the Sanhedrin, they were religious leaders, and their names literally mean sitting together. So here they are. They are sitting together. 71 critical of the Messiah, 71 hating and despising and rejecting him. And here Jesus is standing while they are sitting. Law is looking at grace. Religion is looking at restoration. Judgment is looking at the hope of glory. Jesus stood there and looked them straight in the eye. Jesus never batted an eye. He never made a U-turn. He never abandoned his assignment. There they are sitting together. There they are knitted together. There they are connected together, sitting together. That tells me something. You can't sit together with just anybody. You, you can't sit with everybody. I'm not saying that you can't eat with sinners. I'm not saying that you can't let your light shine. But when it comes to having heartfelt relationships, you can't sit with just everybody because birds of a feather flock together. If you want a snapshot of who you are, just look at who you're running with. Come on, somebody. Here's the truth. Be careful who you sit with. Sometimes to stand up for Jesus means you can't sit down with just anybody. Hear me in this room. Just because they're a majority, there's 71 of them, but there's one of Jesus. And just because they're a majority, that doesn't make it right. And we're living in a day when you've got to understand that it just because the crowd votes that wrong is right or the crowd declares that wrong is right, it doesn't make wrong right. There still must be a standard that believers will rise up to have. Let me tell you this, stop looking for people you can sit with and find some folks you can stand with. How many of you are on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, make a little noise in the house right there. So Jesus stands before these religious leaders and then he stands before Herod. Now this is amazing to me because Herod really thought he was something. This is not the Herod who tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. But this is a Herod, nevertheless, who is full of himself. He's bloodthirsty. He's perverted. He's paranoid. And he's bound, full of demons and devils. And Jesus is standing before Herod on that day. And Herod is interested in Jesus. He wanted Jesus to do some tricks for him. He wanted Jesus to, 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 to create a dog and pony show. He only wanted to know what Jesus could do. He had no interest in who Jesus was. 
And how many people are interested in what Jesus can do, but they have no desire to find out who he is? But I don't want to just know who he is. I, I don't want to just know what he can do. I want to know who he is. Hallelujah. Now here Jesus is. Watch this. He's standing before Herod. And Herod's name means hero. And I'm sure that Herod thought he was something. But he missed the greatest hero who ever lived standing right in front of him in his presence. Herod thought he was hero, a hero. Herod never, he had never fought a battle. He had never won a war. He, had, he was just an absolute man that had never conquered not one thing. He was not a hero. He was a zero. He was standing there full of himself trying to get Jesus to perform. He didn't recognize the hero of restoration and redemption stood right in front of him. Two worlds were colliding. One thought he was a hero and one truly was. But I need to tell you something today. When I look at my story, see every story has a villain, every story has a victim, and every story has a hero. Come on, every story has a struggler. Every story has somebody. You read a story, there always has to be a villain, but there's always got to be a hero. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but some of y'all feel just like me. Jesus is the hero in my story. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, sit there if you want to, but I got to give God praise because Jesus is the hero in my story. Yeah, 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 yeah. The hero is not a preacher. The hero is not a building. The hero is not a denomination. The hero is not a man on earth or a woman on earth. The hero is Jesus Christ. My God, I wish somebody would give him praise if Jesus is the hero in your story. Hallelujah. I'm going to wait on you. I said give him praise if he's the hero in your story right now. Wouldn't he be here without Jesus? Wouldn't he be preaching today without Jesus? I lost my mind a long time ago. But my hero is J-E-S-U-S. He made a way out of no way for me. That's why when we were kids and we used to lead youth ministry, we would say, give me a J, J, you got your J, you got your J. Give me an E. Give me a S-U-N. Come on, give me a J. Give me an E. Watch this. Give me a S-U-S, S-U-S, you got your S-U-S. You ready for a J? Come on, give me an E. Give me an S-U-S. Y'all almost say give me a J. Give me an E. Here we go. Give me an S-U-S, S-U-S, you got your issue. What does that spell? Who's the king? Who's Lord of Lords? Who made a way? Who saved your soul? Who's coming back? say he's my hero he's my hero touch three people and say he's the hero in my story 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 he's the light in my darkness he's the hope in my despair he's the hero in my story one two three give him praise now the very last one Jesus stood before him twice. His name was Pilate. And Pilate's name means the thrower of a javelin. 
It means the thrower of a spear. And hear me in this room. I was studying some companion text, historical documents that said while Jesus was coming in from the east up over the Mount of Olives, right down the mountain up to the eastern gate, that Pilate was coming in from the west, the javelin thrower, the spear thrower, the one who was a warrior, walking in, reminding Jerusalem, you're under my thumb. This man, Pilate, walked in, and he's coming out of Caesarea, where he lived in a mansion right on the Mediterranean Sea. He didn't even live in Jerusalem. And he comes in from the west riding a horse, and Jesus comes in from the east riding a donkey and worlds were colliding as war came from the west and peace came from the east I feel like preaching and here Jesus comes in bringing peace and you got Pilate coming in from the west with a display of earthly power they got cavalry on horses they got foot soldiers they got spears and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people bearing armor and the sound of marching feet and you can hear the hooves of the cavalry of the horses hitting the pavement you hear the crinkling of leather leather and the clinking of bridles as they beat the drums as these warriors come in and you got Jesus coming in on a donkey from the east while Pilate is coming in with his soldiers the three the spear thrower is coming in from the west oh Jesus and here you got to understand here is the dichotomy you've got peace coming from one direction and you got a war coming from another direction. Have you ever had times in your life where there is a collision of worlds? Where you got peace coming from one way and you got war coming from another. You got hell breaking loose on one side and you see God moving on another. Where are the real people at? There are two parades going on. The, the people at the Eastern Gate were shouting Hosanna, which means save us. Check it out, here they are. They're shouting, oh Hosanna, Jesus is coming in on a donkey. And you got Pilate coming in. Pilate's riding a white horse. And there's two parades going on. The question is, which parade are you gonna go to? Tell your neighbor two parades. You got you got Pilate coming through the front door because the west gate was the front door. But you got Jesus coming through the back door. I don't know who I'm talking to, but anybody glad for a Jesus that'll bring you a breakthrough right through the back door. He'll bring you a miracle where you least expect it. He'll open a door where you least expect it. I dare somebody give God a praise right now. You got Jesus. He's coming round, riding a donkey. You got the people waving their hands. And you got Pilate coming in on the west side. You got war coming from one direction and you got peace coming from another. You got sickness coming from one direction and you got healing coming from another. You got bondage coming from one direction and you got freedom coming from another. You got depression coming from one way and you got joy 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 coming from another you got a mess coming from one way you got a miracle coming from the next you got a collision of two worlds 
you got two parades the question is what parade are you gonna attend the question is what parade are you gonna go to are you gonna stand over here and exalt the war and the mess and the problem are you gonna turn around and say let me get to the parade where Jesus is being magnified look at your neighbor and say neighbor which parade are you gonna go to there they were they were waving palm branches and they were shouting Hosanna and Hosanna means save us somebody say save us say save us say save us Tell your neighbor I don't have a palm branch But I got two palms I dare you right now If you got two palms Raise them both up high And shout Hosanna Save us Save my children Save my marriage Save my family Somebody shout Hosanna Good God Almighty, give him praise right now. We're going to say it 10 times. I want you to raise your hands and shout it 10 times. Say, Hosanna. 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 Give him a shout. Look at your neighbor and say, what parade are you choosing? What parade are you choosing? What parade are you choosing? I will not magnify my problem. I will not, I will not magnify my issue, but I will shout Hosanna to the King. Let his victory collide with your attack. Two worlds, let his joy collide with your depression, his freedom with your bondage, his healing with your sickness, his problem with your answer. Even now in your world, even now in this moment, worlds are colliding. I know I preach radically today. I got to preach again tonight. But I dropped by to tell somebody. The ones on the east side. They were magnifying. The prince of peace who rode a donkey. The ones on the west side. Were magnifying the javelin thrower. The man of war both parades same day Jesus rides through that eastern gate that golden gate the back door <laughs> he'll bring you a miracle through a back door if he has to <laughs> comes from Bethany two mile journey riding a donkey humble and meek Pilate strutting, sitting high in his saddle, thinking he's got it going on. Jesus comes right over the Mount of Olives, right down into the city, right up to the Eastern Gate. And then the trip that the Eastern Gate is still there. So many gates have come and gone, but that gate has remained. In fact, this is the gate that has a lot of prophetic impl implications. I was in Israel just a few days ago. That gate is actually fenced off. 
and there's a Muslim cemetery in front of it. And, and I ran up there, y'all, and I got by that fence, and I put my hand right on that eastern gate. We just about got arrested. Israeli soldiers came running, but I'm telling you, I was walking out there like I didn't know nobody. That's when you got a real leader. Come on here, just. You bet, y'all better come on. You need to, I ain't talking, come on. Put my hands on that gate because that gate is significant. That's the gate that Jesus will come through. That's the promise. That day he won't be riding a donkey. That day he'll be riding a white horse. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. That's going to be a parade that day. Did you know right in front of that gate, they, they, the, the Muslims hundreds of years ago, they stopped that gate up and they, and they put a, a Muslim graveyard in front of it because they didn't believe that a Hebrew Messiah would walk through a graveyard because they said that would defile that Messiah. But they didn't know that your Jesus has power over the grave and he's not worried about walking through a graveyard. He already walked out and walked in and walked in and walked out. One day very soon, he'll ride that horse right over the Mount of Olives. He won't be riding a donkey that day. I'm going to attend that parade. Come on. We're going to be in heaven. We'll come back. We'll be, we'll, we'll be riding a white horse. Come on. Jesus will take his long, lean, Galilean leg and put it over that horse. He's going to look back at me and say, Rayleigh, get off my horse and get on your own horse. Oh. But I'm not just going to choose that parade then. I'm going to choose his parade now. So you must decide. There's a collision of two worlds in your life right now. You can choose bondage or freedom, addiction or liberty, hope or despair. This whole story, this whole reality of Holy Week is a collision between two worlds. The question is not is there a collision. The question is what parade you going to go to? Are you going to magnify your problem? Or are you going to magnify your answer and lift your palms and say, Hosanna. Save my family. Save my life. Save me. With heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. John, just come and sing that through one time. Just you, John. Everybody just close your eyes. I feel a moment right here. I feel a moment right here. I feel a moment right here. Just you, John. saying is save me. Say it one more time. Let our 
Now with every head bowed and every eye closed today, there is a collision between two worlds. And you must decide today what world you're going to choose. The Prince of Peace is coming from one direction and all your trouble is coming from another. Some of you are here right now and you've been bound by sin. You've struggled with all kind of isms and schisms and all kind of bondages. But today, as much as bondage is coming from one way, freedom is coming from another. And as much as sickness is coming from one way, healing is coming from another. And as much as warfare is coming from one way, <laughs> peace is coming from another. Don't, don't, don't be like Annas and have your own answer. Don't be like Caiaphas and be blind and depressed. Don't be like the Sanhedrin and sit with those who doubt Jesus. Don't be like Herod and think you're your own hero. Don't be like Pilate and choose war. Today, Jesus is here. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, the struggle is real. And I need a touch from this Jesus that you've been talking about. Slip up your hands right now. I need a touch from this Jesus that you've been talking about. Come on, come on. Hold, I'm, I'm going to do something different today. If you're here and you've been struggling, just slip up your hand. Nobody's going to judge you. Hallelujah. If you see somebody close to you with their hand slipped up, I want you to reach out and touch them right now. We're going to come together as brothers and sisters. Father, I pray, God, for breakthrough. I pray, God, that we would choose your world. I pray, God, that we would find hope in you. We declare that our family will serve the Lord. We declare that bondage, alcoholism, drug addiction will not hold us. Sexual sin will not bind us. We don't exalt the pilots that come through our lives, but we exalt Jesus. I speak deliverance over you. Hope in your life. Peace in your life. For the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Everybody take your hand and put it on your heart and pray this after me. Pray, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. For all my sins. All my sins. Heal me. Heal me. And cleanse me. And cleanse me. From all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. Just like Mary. Just like Mary. Just like Simon. Just like Simon. Touch me. Touch me. And I'll never be the same again. And I'll never be the same again. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I choose your parade. I choose, your parade. I choose, to, exalt you, I choose to exalt you. And I'll never be the same. And I'll never be the same. Amen. Amen. I want you to reach over and touch a neighbor on the shoulder right now. Glory to God. Now, I've allowed this service to become quiet on purpose. Because I want you to look at me in the eye. Next Sunday... I'm going to preach a message of resurrection and a message of redemption. I'm going to tell the world again that Cristo vive. Christ lives. I want to tell as many people as I can, but I can't do it without you. Something as simple as passing one card to a person could change the very destination of their eternity forever. Something as simple as, would you like to come to church Sunday? 75% of people will come with a meaningful invitation. I want to see this church packed and running over. And I promise you that I will give them an opportunity to find Jesus. But I cannot do this without you. I, I love you with all my heart. But I don't only love you. I need you. It's not Jim Rayleigh's show. It's not Jim Rayleigh's house. It's not Jim Rayleigh's moment. This is so much bigger than me. You can literally change the eternity of a person with one single invite. 
sharing everything we put on Facebook. I'm not asking you to do something that's impossible. You're going to be an answer this week. Where, where are your buttons? We've already given out 15,000 or more cards. We've got, I don't know how many left in the back, but I want them all to go. But here's my request. Come out and walk Wednesday and let your light shine. Tell somebody, come to church. I promise you that these altars will pack out. I love you. I appreciate you. How many of you today are going to go to the right parade? Anybody? Hold that neighbor's shoulder. Pastor Josh is going to pray. Nobody leave. And then you'll be dismissed. Now watch. I'm going to go back in the back. I want to meet every single guest. I want to shake your hand. I want to tell you hello. And I want to, I want to meet you. And I, I just, I'm just so glad that you came today. Will you pray with us, Pastor Josh? Remember, if you're a first-time guest, Pastor Rayleigh, Pastor Don will be in the back. How many were blessed by that word today? You know, there are many revelations and applications of that word. But I think one of the most inspiring principles I'm leaving with today is this, is that he still comes on the raising of palms. And the Bible is clear that when we lift him up, he draws all men to himself. This week, as you raise palms, he's coming to your workplace. He's coming to your family. And as we lift him up one week from now, he's going to draw men to himself. Would you just one last time reach up? You already got your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. I'm going to pray. What a week this is going to be at Calvary as pastor's heading out. It's going to be an incredible week. God's going to move. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much, God, for the ability and the opportunity to lift you up. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that as we lift you up, the promises you draw men to you. So God, let us be found faithful this week. Faithful in lifting you up, faithful in the waving of palms, faithful in our worship, faithful in evangelism, and God trusting that as we do our part, your Holy Spirit is going to partner with us. God, I pray, Lord, that as we finish services next week, that we would stand back and say that we would see the greatest harvest we have ever seen in this church of souls. And we thank you now for what you're going to do next week in Jesus' name. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. God bless you. Hug a few people as you leave. Grab some invite cards. We love